Earlier in the week, I was watching a television show. They had sent a reporter out into the city, and they were asking people about what Easter meant to them. So I don't know if you probably know what I'm talking about there, but on one occasion, on one interview, they go, okay, a holiday is coming up on Sunday. Do you know what holiday it is? And a couple of responses were, was kind of, holiday? Memorial Day? Father's Day? But it was clear in those questions that the majority of people really were clueless in the sense of a biblical Jesus and why he had come. Matter of fact, I, I think if you listen to television and just kind of watch and, and see how people talk about Jesus, it's pretty clear that the Bible and Jesus for them just doesn't match up very much. And, and I think this is the summary of what many people believe, and that Jesus was a good man, and that he was left as an example for us to love everybody. I think that's kind of the summary of where, what many people believe, but I'm here to tell you today that Easter is much more than that. We're here because we celebrate that God raised his son from the dead, and the grave is empty, and we can come to the altar, we can approach him because of that. But there is, I want to begin with a passage, and it's a text that explains the mission of God, and it gives some clarity as to why Jesus came. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, and look how it reads there, we'll put it on the screen. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he rolled up the scroll, and he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. The mission of Jesus. But let me start with a couple of questions here. Maybe you've pondered these, maybe you've not. What would it be like for us here today if Jesus had not come? Or if he was only a good man? What if the prophecy of Isaiah here wasn't fulfilled? What if there was no good news that he came with? Now, even, I think, a harder question, when you look at the brokenness of the world and people's lives, you go, does Jesus really make a difference? Because as we look out in the world and you watch the news, you go, it is a broken world out there. Matter of fact, I, I want to show you a very in intense video that summarizes history and shows where this world is at. And yes, it gives the answers well at the end. But let's play that, Nancy. We live in a broken world. But let me go back to that question. What if God's son had never come? 
What if he was just, just an example only? That there was no tomb, there was no resurrection. Now, I don't know what you would say, but this is what I believe, is that we would be a people without hope. See, our meeting today, our singing, our what, gathering here together, it would be a waste of time. We would be self-deceived in that sense. See, if there's no great story of God, if, if Jesus had not come, there's no final chapter in this world even to look forward to. There's no hope. None. Nada. Uh, today is about hope. That hope came down on the front of your bulletins there. That, that today really is about that Jesus is the answer. And I got just a couple of points here for you today, and we're going to unpack them. Now, sometimes they have more than that, so some of you are cheering, oh, just two points today, but uh, that's okay. Point number one, because of Jesus, we can have real hope. So I want all of us here to understand that Jesus is no longer in the grave and that the world, even though it's profoundly broken, as that video showed, that we can have hope. But there's also a reality exists that there's many people in this world that I would describe it this way, they're filled with hopelessness. Just watch the news on TV. There's this insecurity in the world that we're living. There's a restlessness. There's fear. He thinks of the economy, racial tension, terrorism, a moral decline in our culture. That's a reality. But then again, as you listen to people, you go, what are the solutions to that? And I think this is the ones that they offer. If we just have the right leader, or we have the right government, or the right education, or the right social thinking, or we all can sit in a a circle and sing Kumbaya. And you go, those are fantasy solutions. I I think of this morning, people in Brussels, of, of this last week, sitting there. What do they put their hope in? And by the way, many of those people in Europe, they've never even heard of Jesus anymore. The deep discouragement and despair and, and the anger, the fear, what do they do with that? So I'm here to tell you that there is an answer, and it's found in the one that a grave could not hold. It's in the one that was raised from the dead. And when we truly believe it, when we embrace it, and when we live like it's certain, folks, it matters. And the question, do you know today that Jesus offers a radically different solution compared to the voices in our culture? Folks, Jesus is hope. He's the one that sets people free to give life, to give meaning. And what we want to do this morning is I want to show you a snapshot of two individuals where hope was realized. The first comes from our a study, actually, in Mark. We've been walking our way through Mark. If you're new, uh, we're in chapter 7. And really, this is the next text. And I want to show this to you of one character here. Look at Mark 7, verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went to Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Decapolis is a city that's north, or that area of northwest of Galilee, and it's where the non-religious people lived. 
this, it wasn't a Jewish area. But we find that there's a group of people who care about a deaf and a mute man, and they hear that Jesus is here, and they've heard that he is a healer, and so they bring him to Jesus. And you notice that we read, they beg him. They beg him, Jesus, would you heal our friend? Now, now we got to catch the culture of that day, even with the deaf in that sense, because there is no accommodation for deaf people. There's no signers back then. Sign language, American sign language, didn't come in until the 1800s. And matter of fact, for a deaf person back there and mute, do you understand what would have been whispered? Well, they wouldn't have, he couldn't have heard it. But here's what people would be asking. What sin did your parents commit that you ended up like this? That's what would have been whispered behind his back, wondering what the parents did that he deserved this. See, the reality is there was great loss for this man. But you've you got to put yourself in his place. I don't know if you've ever been associated with the deaf community. I've had some good friends who are. But here was a deaf and a mute. He couldn't speak probably because of the deafness. But he, had never, he never had the opportunity to hear any music. He never could hear kids laugh or hear some come up to him and say, I love you. He never had the privilege of singing or even speaking his opinion. I picture him sitting around a big table where there's relatives like a day like we do today and, and somebody tells a joke and everybody laughs and there's an expression of laughter and he's sitting there wondering, what's just gone on? Think of him watching somebody in pain, struggling, weeping, and he couldn't go up to them and he wouldn't know what it's about, nor could he ever encourage them with any words of comfort. Folks, this guy had loss. But these people cared for him. And they took him to Jesus, and they begged, Jesus, Jesus, can you heal my friend? See, these people, somehow they had discovered that Jesus was their hope for this friend. And Jesus then is standing, there's a crowd here gathered, and he's standing here, and all of a sudden he... This man comes up and meets Jesus. Look at 33 how it goes. And Jesus taking him aside from the crowd privately. He puts his fingers in his ears and then after spitting, touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And the ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. Many people wanted to be healed by Jesus, but Jesus picks this man out. And you notice a characteristic of Jesus here. He engages the man personally, eye to eye, touching his ears, touching the spit with his tongue. See, when Jesus engages people, he heals with empathy and with compassion. Jesus understood this man's need and the hopelessness that he had been trapped in. So this man encountered Jesus. And folks, his life was changed forever, physically. And you know what? I suspect spiritually as well. I think he was changed. 
But because of Jesus, this man had hope. I can't help but wonder, did this man run back to his family? And his family are coming up to him, and he could hear them talk for the first time. And all of a sudden, he begins to speak, and he hears them weeping and crying for joy for the first time. What a picture. But Jesus personally engaged this man in his deepest needs, physical needs, but it was also his felt needs. And my question for us today, are there needs in our lives? And does God want to engage toward you? And you know what? This isn't about age. You could be 10 or 15 or 25 or 85. There might be things going on in your life that Jesus is saying, make room for me. Come to me. I want to engage your heart. So wherever you're at, there's an invitation that Jesus is throwing out at us today through his word. And if you've never met Jesus, if there's valleys in your life right now, he wants to touch you at the deepest parts of your soul to give you hope, to give you joy. Our Heavenly Father and his Son, they're not cold and just up there. They invite us. They're saying to us, give us us room that we can come in and work and give you hope. But there is hope now for this mute and deaf man. And you understand how it speaks so loudly why God sent his son into the world to start this story. But I got to point one thing out that I discovered this week in in studying. There was a prophetic reality to this healing. Let me put Isaiah 35 on the screen there. Look at verse 30, uh, verse 1 there. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with the vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. See, Mark wrote this for us. Even as he subtly looks back at prophecy years before, but he reminds us that Jesus is the one that helps the blind see. The tongues of the mute can begin to sing. The ones who are in spiritual and emotional bondage and bankruptcy, they can, God can fix that and enter in and restore Folks, when Jesus came, it's the pinnacle of God's story. God has come near, and now hope is possible. But I want to read you one more example of another character here this morning. comes out of our Easter story. John chapter 20. Look how it reads here. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. 
He wasn't in such great shape, I understand here. And he reached the tomb first and he stooped and he looked in and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. These disciples caught something. The words of Jesus spoken earlier, maybe a couple days earlier. But the woman is still here. Mary is still here. And you got to, we got to picture what were the emotions going through this woman's mind and heart. But let me give you an example, I think, as to the degree of suffering that she was feeling in this sense right now. What if many of you have have buried somebody, a grandparent or a, a parent or a spouse or a child, and what if you had the funeral on a Saturday and you get through that day and the next day you get up and you said, you know what, I'm going to go put some flowers on the graveside. And so you drive to that, to that place where they're buried and you bring the flowers, you start walking, and all of a sudden there's this sense of something is wrong here. And you go over to the spot where there was supposed to be a tomb, a headstone. And all of a sudden you realize there's dirt strung all over the place. The headstone's tipped over, it's it's to the side, and you see a hole. You come up and you see a hole and you look in the hole and the casket is gone. What would be your emotions at that point? Wouldn't it be this? Anger? Grief? How could they? Who can I tell this travesty to? Who can I call? The person that you had loved had been mistreated even while dead they're being mistreated. See, that is Mary. Because of her love for Jesus, it was dark outside. It said it's early in the morning, well before sunlight. She comes to the tomb and just because she wanted to be close to a lifeless body. But recognize this, there was darkness within her soul. There was no hope for her. What would there be hope for? My Lord was dead. He's gone. And now they've taken him away. So the world for her is dark, and it's dark within her. Folks, I don't know if we realize this. We think of Easter as a joyous event, but the very first moments of Easter finds us in the darkness. And the reality is, We don't have a world that's safe and secure. That we walk in a world that's still dark spiritually. But realize that Easter began with dashed hopes in this woman. Despair. So she runs back and she tells the disciples and they come back. But there was no joy with her. And just think of those disciples running. Okay, what's going on here? And they get it a bit, but not Mary. The expectations of Mary were crushed. Who stole the body of Jesus? 
Let me keep going in the text here this morning. Look at verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb of crying, and this so the disciples have left now, the two disciples. And as she wept, she's still weeping, she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. They speak to her, Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they have put him. See, Mary stays after the disciples leave and she just continues to weep. And she looks into the tomb again, astonished that he's not there. And the angels ask, why are you weeping? See, she doesn't quite get it. In the midst of tears, she tells them, someone has stolen the body. Let's continue, though. Look at verse 14. She turned to leave finally and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Started early that day. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Is she going to carry him back? Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have, haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. She hears this other voice as she's getting ready to leave, thinking he's a gardener. But do you catch this? That Easter morning started with grief and tears, a soul that was broken. But Jesus responds and engages this woman. He goes, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? See, when we come back to this place, the recognizing some of you here today, there is a darkness in your soul just like Mary. There might be confusion with no hope. And just like on that first day of Easter, you're not sure what's going on. But, but here's where i got to point out another piece here. Just like the deaf and the mute man, Jesus loved and engaged people, and he did this to Mary. Do we realize that because of God's love, and it goes so deep, that he seeks us in our darkness? Folks, his love is not about fairy tales and forced devotion. It's about love that reaches out to a real and broken world. But i got to ask you the second question. It is a profound question. And that is on the, let me put it on the screen here. My question for you, who are you looking for? And the truth is that many who lose hope, they're not looking for a person. 
It's not who. They're looking, how do I get out of the circumstances that I'm in that I can feel better about myself? But Jesus asks the question, who are you looking for? And that is the question this morning. See, real hope loves. And his response to her tears, it's Mary, it's I, it's me, it's Jesus. I'm here. I'm alive. See, and there's people here today and out in this world where the soul is so dark and it's heavy and inside there is doubt and anger and grieving and the hope tank is empty. And, and can I suggest, if that might be you today, that the, you have to ask the right question. And the question is, who are you looking for? Who? Because the answer to that question determines whether you will find real hope and obtain a real hope that gives you peace. Can I implore you today and look for Jesus? Pull out your Bible this week. Begin to ponder his love, his work on the cross. Engage him with music and worship. Giving your life maybe the first time to him, but give it to him. The challenge I see as a pastor is too many people sort of seek him because they want their solution to their problem. And that's what they're looking for, just the solution. They're not looking for a person. Make room for him within your soul. But there's another group of people even in this place today. And I would describe that group as this. You know you have hope. And you know that others need hope. But i got to ask you a different question. It goes like this. What is the so what of Easter for you today? Is it just celebrating, remembering Jesus, have a family event with some ham? Is that what Easter really is about only? Is it about only praising him in songs? And yes, we're reminded of his love and an open tomb. See, but I think there's a so what that we must be compelled to move toward. Number two for your notes, I said it this way. Jesus wants you to be a messenger of hope. Uh, let me go back to the Mark passage. I want to show you how that took, hap- that took place back then. Look at 36. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. Jesus healed my friend. He healed me. Think of that mute man talking for the first time, telling everybody, Jesus healed me. It says they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all these things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And they couldn't help themselves but to give it away, give hope away, to tell others about Jesus, the man that had healed their friend. But look at a response. I want to jump back here to Mary. Because there's something in this verse that tells us that God wants us to do the same. Look at John 20, verse 17. He says, don't cling to me, Jesus said. She had been hanging on him. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them. Tell them. 
What? I'm alive. I haven't yet quite gone back to my father, but I am alive. I'm out of the grave. I'm here. And that you have your father, and to my God, and you have your God. See, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. And if you are one here today, you can say with certainty that Jesus is my hope. Then the so what means more than just worshiping through music. Folks, it is an act of worship when we look around and we tell other people about Jesus, a real hope. We are called to give hope away. Because there's no one in the tomb now. Because of death and sin has been conquered. The penalty has been paid. Life is supposed to be different when we know that. See, for Mary, it was now changed. It took a little while. And as she gazed at Jesus and clinging, and he got Mary, go tell. Go tell the disciples. Life has changed for you now, Mary. I'm here. I am your hope. And I'm alive. See, God invites us, you understand, to build relationships. Look around and build relationships with people who need hope. God invites you and me to be a messenger of hope. I want to close by playing just a very short video. It it sums up that point that we are called to be a messenger of hope. Let's flip the lights off and let's play that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. But I think it's pretty pointed that God calls us to something beyond just today. Easter's just a starting point to give away hope to a world that is profoundly broken. And the question is, can we look at our co-workers in their eyes? Can we gaze into our family members? It might be somebody else that we know, friends that we know, and we see that there's a, a darkness within their soul. Do we want to give them the answer that Jesus is the hope? They need Jesus And the goal is you look at how do you build a relationship where you earn the right, you earn the right to ask the question, who are you looking for? We build relationships to ask that question. But let's worship him. In spirit and in truth, let's just sing to him. And if you know that he is your hope, worship him and give him your praise and your honor. Just one last thought. If, if you're a person here today and your hope tank is empty and you need somebody to maybe ask the question, who are you looking for? Uh, I'd be available. The worship team would be available, one of the elders. Uh, but I would implore you to, to ask that question. And God wants to meet you. His son wants to meet you and he wants to give you hope and change your heart from the inside out. And maybe you've never given him room for that. We can hold him off. But I would implore you to seek him and ask that question, who who are you searching for? Father, we thank you for today and for the grave being empty and that we can come today and you are a God who gives us hope because you sent your son into this world to die for us. And because of that resurrection and he's out of the tomb, we can have life. We can have freedom. 
We can have victory. We can be secure in knowing that whatever happens in this world, you're in control and you love us. And you promise to take care of us and you promise to give, give us enough power and grace to walk through these hard times. So Father, thank you again for being our God and who cares. So we give you this day and we give you this week. These things we pray in your name. Amen.